Hello and welcome to the Discuss podcast. On today's episode, we've got the one and only J-Man. How's it going, Jamal? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you don't mind me using your actual name. Or oh, of you course. Yeah. yeah, of course, Brilliant. of course. So, yeah, it's really great to have you on the podcast. You've been a, a guest of mine in my mind for an, a while and I think your perspective is one that's you've been uh, an artist who's experienced quite a variety of different scenes and different genres and perform with a lot of different artists from different backgrounds and i think that's going to offer our listeners a really nice insightful perspective on the, the varieties that exist in t- as being an artist in this world of music mm-hmm. and also the things that you've learned so i think i'm really grateful for you coming on for those reasons and yeah, yeah i'm really excited to get into it yeah thank you for having me so to kick things off I wonder if you could share me a little bit about your musical journey for like people that don't know so much about you who will be tuning in. How did you get started with in the world of hip hop in particular? Because that was, or maybe it wasn't the beginning of your journey, but we can get you can get into that. And what were your earlier earliest influences you can think of? Okay, to start off with, I mean it. it, it it goes all the way back to school times in high school. That's like really how I. <clears throat> that's where I started so I started emceeing learning how to structure lyrics and and just emceeing in the playground we used to battle we used to clash do grime clashes because that's how it started that we, we we grew up in the Lord of the Mic era which was people like Wiley and Kano clashing and things like that so when I was in school that was the main thing to do so all we were we didn't realise that it, would, it could ever turn into anything it was just kind of a thing to do growing up in London at that time and that kind of evolved into <clears throat> that kind of evolved into me going into the dubstep scene because that's really where I started my career before hip hop. Right. So it was I was about seventeen when I moved down to Plymouth. I left London. Was getting into a few few silly things. Just there's a lot of gang culture going around at the time, and I just I, I was making music. That's all I wanted to do, but got caught up in the bad side of things. So went to Plymouth, studied music production and sound engineering. Sound engineering, but I, I I got picked up really early by a friend that was running raves, a guy called Darko, who I'm working with now at the moment. That you met you met the other day. Yeah, yeah. He yeah he got me on the stage when I was you know, 17, 18 doing dubstep raves for for about four or five years so i learned a lot <clears throat> sorry i learned sure. just how to command the stage and really connect with the crowd and I, I feel like that gave me a really good foot in the door with what i wanted to do a lot of people i know that start with hip-hop and want to get to the stage straight away they've never had a chance to have that practice and i really treated that like my dojo i really learned how to um MC and, and, and host without having the pressure of performing my own music yeah. I was always just accompanying the DJ and that evolved into hip hop and someone, a guy called Sleaze at the time, runs Greasy Vinyl Records, he saw me when I was around that age and signed me to his label and he he pushed me to then do hip hop Oh it was a hip hop label? Yeah and then he was like I think you can do more than hosting, I would love for you to create an album and yeah so that's how it started nice it's nice to know that it takes a few 
would you say they were your elders? As yeah, it were? for sure. Yes, it's, I always often find people's elders. It's always someone picks you up or or, or puts some belief in you, whether it be someone within the industry. Yeah. I find that always really valuable, especially in most artists' journeys, in terms of mentoring or just gaining mentorship, even consciously or unconsciously, whether mm-hmm. or not you're seeking it or not. You kind of you need it sometimes. Often you need that. That, that kind of like encouragement or just that help that little help to like kind of just grease the wheels whether it be access to, to certain means of public publishing music like you said mm-hmm. or access to stages because you, you might have the talent but often i've seen you see some artists just go by the wayside in life sure. sometimes because they mm. just don't quite have that access to to the stage or someone didn't just give them that tap on the shoulder to begin mm. with obviously your success is down to to your own hard work but the beginnings of that of those opportunities always have to come from somewhere first so i think it's interesting that you know you had that those people in your life and they're very valuable and myself included i've always found people like that extremely important in my journey mm. in terms of believing in you from the yeah. beginning they saw something in you that's that it. others didn't at that time yeah, you know, that's example, it. Wh- which is what you saw in yourself. Yeah, but it's nice when others see that, and then they can give you put your foot on. Yeah, well, at that age as well, you don't have the means to be able to put a record together, a CD together, yeah. the studio to make an album, the money to make music videos, all these kind of things. So I would have never thought about that. It would have probably taken me a, f- a good few years before I could even think about that or comprehend making a project. So yeah, I can really thank thank him for that, and. um the, it, it gives a kickstart to a lot of people within that scene i've seen it happen I mean, we've seen it happen loads within the hip-hop scene tupac had a, a crew called digital underground who he just was brought in with the right. same with dr dre with eminem he brought him through then eminem brought 50 cent through 50 cent brought the game through there's a big lineage i mean they all bring each other through and the next person just shows them the ropes what is it then what was it or is it uh whatever way you want to frame that about hip-hop that drew that you felt drew you in in terms of you were listening to it you were performing it then you start writing it but what mm. what is it for you that the magic the what is it the that give within hip-hop do you think if you others is probably you're probably gonna be like that's a big question because it is a mm. big question but at that time then maybe if you can think about what was it at the time when you were younger that really drew you to that kind of sound or the practice or the the genre of hip-hop if you want to call it a genre mm. it's more of a, it's bigger than that yeah i mean for me it's a very natural thing to gravitate to hip-hop because my dad was a hip-hop dj and my uncle and i grew up around it my whole life growing up since i was since i was a toddler i'd have it playing in the background it was always very very comfortable just hearing any of that type of music so as i got older um i really i really fell in love again with it but on my own terms so it was grime at first and then as i started getting a bit older and conscious i started learning a lot from hip-hop and that's what really made me fall in love with it again just hearing people like immortal technique or just uh, most deaf or people like this who really like open your mind and talk about like political things or or love or just things that i wasn't hearing in grime and that's what really made me love hip-hop but more so just the culture of it because it's such a big culture there's everything you can find in it it's not just music it's the way you carry yourself the way you talk what music you're into what videos everything it's an aesthetic so 
Yeah, I think that's... I mean, that'll always be my heart. Even if I do dabble with other music, that's always my first and foremost like love in but music. But you said that's where you like identified a lot of... You found a lot of sense of identity within that music. Like you say, with the dress, it's an aesthetic. It's not... Mm. I spoke to Crust about this previously as well. It's like a dress code. Yeah. Like the way people dress, it adds a philosophy to your life. It, it, For sure. It right is, now, I'm yeah. wearing a Raiders jacket. Yeah. That's like what my dad would wear. Yeah. And that's a homage to the LA scene in America um all nwa they would all wear this whole this whole outfit yeah same thing so it's yeah it does all just come with it yeah yeah that's you it. see that as well it's there's definitely like you say it has influenced it has influenced so much to, in the fashion world that's why you see a lot of those artists step into that world that's it because they have such an ability to dictate the i'm gonna sneeze apologize it's okay yeah, so, and so you've seen the hip-hop scene evolve, really. You've been doing that for the longest, would you say? Mm. Obviously, prior yeah. to Grime, but you were a practising artist. Yeah, for sure. You've been practising that, and that's what a lot of a lot of um, listeners might know you for. Yeah. Maybe not going to the future, who knows, but right now that's where you kind of made you put your foot in the door and establish yourself as an artist mm-hmm. after that. And yeah. So I feel like you've obviously been doing that for how, how long now, would you say? a good 12 13 years yeah yeah nice. yeah so yeah. Uh, so for you like uh, and i've seen it even just in the time i've been listening to uk hip-hop the the scene has obviously evolved quite significantly mm-hmm. through the time as anything does music is an yeah. ever-evolving uh format so mm-hmm. it's not surprising that it's done that but from your perspective how how do you think it is how have you seen it change and what unique qualities do you think the uk in in uk hip-hop brings to the to the global hip-hop landscape i've seen it change massively we've seen it gone from uh pre-internet era where people would really have to hustle to get their music out there yeah they'd be spending thousands to be getting a video done and trying to get it to channel you to get it to be played and like that was one of the only ways they could get it out to the masses other than that you'd have to turn up at open mic nights and things like that and and and, and just make cds and hope people would hear it put it out go on the go on the street and sell them and then when the internet came and took over that just completely revolutionized it for uk hip-hop essentially because hip-hop in america it was it's already been a billion dollar industry for a long time so they've got all the foundations in the uk it's completely different so you really are out here alone when you make UK hip hop at an underground level right. and it never really made it to the to the mainstream there's a few people that got close especially with grime but not so much UK hip hop so so the the change when the internet era came was dramatic because it went from really trying hard to get your music out there to yeah. all of a sudden that's okay nice to all of a sudden having your music being able to be heard on the other side of the world within one click of a button within 10 seconds yeah. you upload it to youtube yeah and then we saw a massive surge of fans all around the world start um listening to uk hip-hop and it, it blossomed and has been doing so now for the last 10 years massively to the point where there's people doing numbers that 
are similar to American numbers, which is mad to think because yeah. that's going against a billion dollar industry that's been going for a long time compared to a label like High Focus or Blah, which are generating similar views in certain circumstances with nowhere near the same amount of backing or foundations. Mm -mm. So, yeah, the scene's in a very healthy place at the moment and there's some people that have taken it, they've skyrocketed from a very humble beginnings um yeah do you think that do you think that has has helped to like empower people artists so a lot of these hip-hop artists been grinding Mm. they've been grinding at at the at the at the for a long time Mm. and i've seen them all grow up grow older not old but just older and wiser and people start having kids yourself included that's what a natural order of life yeah but do you feel like that that this kind of increased accessibility that you're talking about do you reckon it's kind of kept people spurred them on a bit more as well to kind of give them more extra possibility i mean that kind of makes sense to me the idea that that increase before it was a much like you say it was almost more graft in terms of like hmm. the amount of work you had to put in you had to put in the foot the the, the 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 legs you had to do walking around you had to burn the cds you had to go to the place and do those things and i think that kind of really instills a level of work ethic in people yeah that that might not exist the same way anymore yeah because of that accessibility like with with accessibility comes sure comes all these great things we'll be able to spread your music but it always like making things the the ease ease of just click at a button distribution of your music also kind of doesn't it doesn't instill those same ethics yeah no you're correct i i think people lack a lot of hunger these days a lot more hunger than before because things are so much easier to do and because you can do it at a click of a button in your own home and you can make music these days you don't have to pay for the studio now like back then it would cost a lot and you'd have to go to somewhere you'd have to travel real far you'd have to pay to get on a bus to get there the train whatever and then like by the time you get there you've only got a very short amount of time to record what you need to do so it's very limited so you're rushing through you ain't got enough time to do other takes so it's very important when you do that stuff and you cherish that you cherish the takes you cherish everything that you've done so much more whereas now people at home it's so much more disposable these days music's disposable anyway so people they'll make a song if it doesn't if if it doesn't do well they'll just jump onto the next one they've got the time and space to do that and potentially that'll make a lot of people lack the hunger i'm not saying yeah. it does i'm sure there's still a lot of hungry people out there for sure but the music seems just completely different now and everything's different d- due to the internet yeah. yeah you see a lot more of those like you see a lot more of like tiktok artists i'm seeing a lot of talk at the moment around tiktok artists and whether a lot of artists are discussing they're not necessarily hating they're just discussing the concept of is it you know how is that changing the way that music's consumed how is it changing the practice of musicianship so like mm. from the point of like like you say the actual going to the studio coming together uh, now you're seeing like the younger generation artists or even even people our age who are trying to re- a- approach that audience dancing around in their in their bedrooms with mm-hmm. a, with a, with their phone camera pointing at them like yeah. mouthing or lip syncing the, the the words to the song they made just for views and it's like does that kind of take away from that from the process in what way or how i guess time will tell with those kind of things you kind mm-hmm. of got to see those things and the world evolves and it's like you either 
you either kind of you either you either kind of jump on and yeah. get on board or get left behind. That seems to be the way that with yeah. technology, especially like if you don't embrace it, you generally just get left behind in the mm. and and not knowing what to do. So it's kind of like a it's almost like a I won't, I don't want to call it evil, but like an accepted thing. It's yeah. an accepted thing, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to call it, some people might not call it evil, some might call it evil, but that's a pers- matter of perspective. Mm. But I just think that's really interesting to, to to think about those things and how they it, people are quick to jump on those things without actually thinking about the long term effects. That's my point. You know? Yeah, it's like people are so quick to just Definitely. like, oh yeah, no, this is a great way to get audience. I can generate a side income, mm. but like, what is that going to do for you? As an, like, and I always try and encourage this with people I mentor, artists I work with, mm. or co- and the conversations I have with them is like, how, and I, I mean this could apply to any part of your life, but it's like, how, this might be good right this second. It's like getting offered a a big deal by a label, for example. Yeah. I've seen it happen to people. Mm. They they pop off a bit, a label approaches them, and they're like, this is it, my dream. And I'm like, okay, it might look like that right now, but just have a real before you make that decision i'm not discouraging anyone to do those things but or chase that dream like go for it but just always really consider and eat or speak to someone else who's signed a similar deal how they feel about it that's it 10 years 20 years down the line because in in i find in music especially you get these big opportunities can come your way and then longer down the line people regret it yeah that's for a, sure. that's like an age-old tale yeah well that's why it's good to have like you said before elders in your corner to kind of show you the ways because the pe- the generation now of new of new musicians um won't know the way the world worked before so they don't understand yeah. the way we did it and they don't understand the hard graft you have to do so if no one tells them then they're just used to this disposable lifestyle they're just dis- they're just used to music being disposable which means they're not thinking about the longevity yeah. and as a true musician that's kind of all you want to focus on really is longevity because if you've got longevity it means that you can stick to what you're doing and what you love doing for as long as possible yeah the only reason you wouldn't want longevity is if you're doing music just to seek fame and yeah, make money business, yeah. yeah and if you want to do that more power to you but it, that, that that does work in a disposable lifestyle um but there's many other way easier ways of getting money if you want to do that i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest yeah. <laughs> music if you want if you want to make money do it another way because if you if you genuinely want to do the long haul and longevity then there's gonna be times where you don't make money and and it can be tough yeah it is a, a life of a musician the perception that you have of the, mu- the perception that musicians have or promoters or people in the music industry especially from like family members or some of my family members but others I speak to it's always that classic tale of where you go back to visit or you go to visit your family and hmm. they're like you still you still what is it they say like you're still DJing are you you're still singing are you yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. what do you mean I'm st- yeah I'm still there yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's like asking me Am I still eating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I still going to the toilet? Yeah, of course I am. am. That's what I do. Even if I wasn't my career, I'd be doing it anyway. Of course I'm still doing it. That's it. Oh no, I stopped and gave up. Yeah, yeah. You don't really give it up. That's it. But also then, and then that follows that is like, oh yeah, it looks like you're doing really well. You're posting stuff on the internet and they see that and they're like, oh yeah, making loads of money then as well. And it's like, Mm. this assumption comes with it that just because you work in music, you make loads of money. For sure. And like, like, 
for anyone that doesn't work in music that definitely definitely isn't always true no you know? no no it's, it's all like the footballer world yeah. I, I, I've just came to my mind it's like an analogy is there's a lot of people that play football like a lot of people yeah. but you think about the percentage of those that actually make it yeah as a footballer a professional footballer for a professional club in the top leagues yeah for sure it's like a minor I don't know the percentage yeah, yeah. but it's very small yeah. and it's the same there's a lot of people doing music mm. in Bristol everybody's doing music on some level yeah. whether it be singing yeah. rapping DJing whatever promoting mm. but like it doesn't mean that we're all at the top league I mean that's yeah, like sure. a common misconception I, I I like to try and explain to people that it's just because you work in music is doesn't yeah. mean you you've got loads of pee yeah I've had it loads of times yeah. I've had people I've got I've got tunes on, on Spotify and stuff like that or videos and stuff with like millions of views or like I'll, be, I'll play to huge crowds at festivals and stuff and, and there's a massive like you said people make assumptions they're like oh yeah you must be killing it you're making a lot of money it's like uh, they don't understand what world goes in yeah that's it there's a lot of you, what you got to pay to f- help facilitate that is, yeah exactly is the same with anything I guess yeah that's it yeah I, I get it with my friends who are festival organisers mm. even then they're even like they, everyone's like yeah they're making loads of money they're a festival and actually I know that they don't at yeah. all They've, they make very humble amounts of money that's for it. the amount of work they put in that's well. it. Like, they could have gone and been a CEO of a of a massive business with the brain and the, and the work ethic they have yeah. but instead they decided to put on festivals yeah. and make a fifth if that probably sometimes of what they would make in the corporate yeah. world but that's exactly what it speaks to we of do course. this we don't do it for them them things we do it for a lot of other reasons well, that's it that's the nail on the head nail on the head that's like why you would want to pursue you, you you pursue these kind of things because of the love of it and and you do take sometimes you will take a humble pay for something that you love 100% and that's what a lot of people who I work with and who I see work for because we a lot of us do underground music and we know that it's not making mainstream money we know it's not going to take us to certain places but it's doing what we want to do and it's speaking to a certain demographic and fan base that we want to cater to yeah. and there's a special place for that which doesn't make a lot of money all the time but it it, it comes and goes I think it's so. really important to maintain that as an artist and I I think if you don't keep a connection of doing things just for the sake of doing them because you love them hmm. like you said if you're not an artist that's just chasing money or fame you're doing it because you've from your origins you've always enjoyed it and that's what led you to a career in music Mm. then if you don't maintain those kind of relationships or engage in those kind of practices of going out and doing stuff for free or something which gives you an internal value that's not monetary you know you lose connection to your artistry somewhat and the Mm. reason why you're doing it the essence Mm. of why you doing that thing that creative thing Mm. that you see that a lot with big established artists and I've spoke to you about this loads of times privately we've had this conversation so many times about you see that pattern of behaviour with big artists they rise to the top and then they lose themselves and probably I mean this is an assumption but I can imagine they're sat there one day going right now I'm here Mm. brilliant I've got all this money Mm. all this fame I've done that but I'm really missing the the reason why I did this was because mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I've stopped enjoying it. Yeah, and I'm making stuff that I don't even like. Yeah, and then they and then you see it, and they come back, 
Mm. I've seen it recently with the, the, like Skrillex did it with his music. Mm. He does it quite often. Comes back around, yeah, and starts making OG stuff with people, other Fair producers. Yeah, 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 and I yeah. rate him for that. Yeah, Dizzy Rascal, Dizzy yeah, Rascal yeah, did same. it. He it's made true. a massive bank, and now he just wants to go doing a bit of rapping here and there, and pops yeah. up every now and then. Yeah, does some freestyles and stuff st- again. It's true, and it's just because he wants to reconnect, probably. I'm yeah. assuming that, but like, yeah, I've no, seen it a lot. Sure. And, sure. and it's like, yeah. So I think, like you said, it's really important to keep yourself r- rooted, as it will, f- fixed in that, the essence and the origins of why you've always enjoyed what you do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one important point to make out, um, one important point to take from that is that um, some of the people that do get signed to these majors, um, th- they get deals where they if they don't get the number one the next number one they're stuck they're stuck in limbo they're not allowed to release others they need to keep going and releasing number ones so it depends what's on their contract because a lot of these people they they have to reach a certain level and if they don't they're breaching their contract i watched a really interesting documentary with uh, rich 32 talking about it and he was just saying there's a lot of people that are basically just stuck in limbo with their labels because they got signed and then they're not they're not constantly meeting those goals that they've been told that they need to meet and yeah they end up they end up yeah they end up getting stuck and then by the time they're free they like lose a lot of will to want to make their own music again like kills the soul for a lot of these people Um, that's it you see it happen a lot see it happen a lot with artists where you're thinking why aren't they releasing stuff why aren't they allowed to and and all of a sudden they get released from their labels and you know, and then, yeah, then they, they put out their it. best stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Bieber did it. Yeah, Justin Bieber was like making pop music for the longest, and then when he was allowed to do his own stuff, the sound completely changed, and he was and he kind of and he got respected for his own artistry yeah. than what the label tried to mold him to be. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and I think it's definitely something. That whole idea of just ensuring that you maintain. A level of enjoyment out of your creative practices, and if you're not, if you're not enjoying it, then just it's good to stand back and think about what, how you, why you're there, and the reasons why you're there. Because yeah, it's very easy to get lost and, or to take compromise your creative outlet for yeah. the sake of monetary gain. I've done it. Yeah, I've done it before. Yeah, even or not even through renting out speakers, and I've ended up at gigs like, how did I end up here? Like engineering this i don't even mm. really enjoy this music very much yeah but i took, took it was a good paycheck mm. and at the time fine it helped facilitate and lubricate the wheels on growing growing my brand and my sound great but i don't know if it fulfilled my soul and i and then you start to compromise when you compromise that you make decisions that aren't authentic mm. that's my point yeah. you kind of step away from your authenticity a bit mm. and sometimes even lose the re- magic behind your art the reason yeah. why people enjoyed it in the first place yeah that's sometimes. it but that's just a thing to think about well but this is one of the reasons yeah. why i love underground music and why i would i'll probably always do underground music because there's a level of creative control that you get you get a percentage when you get signed to a major and a lot of the time it's a very small percentage which means that basically if, if they give you 10 say 10 15 percent of creative control it's very hard for you to say what you want to rank sing about or rap about what you want to wear all these things yeah um and that that takes away someone's artistry a lot and just just their soul in general 
because they're just a puppet essentially this is it and then speaking about soul and like earlier on you were talking about uh storytelling and like the, why you why you enjoyed hip-hop mm. so much and what got you into it was because it correct me if i'm wrong it was because it had a a strong message within yeah. the music and something which you could learn from mm. so i feel like you've kind of carried that inspiration mm. into your music as well in fact yeah. i know you have from listening to it a lot of your music incorporates a strong storytelling aspect to it mm. i think yeah so much so that your last babylon dead release included comic book Mm. which is like an ode to the storytelling aspect of your music in a lot of ways and something which you obviously highlighted through that mm. um yeah how do you usually approach crafting those kind of like storytelling lyrics and what role do you think storytelling as a whole plays in within hip-hop well it definitely plays an important role because there's not much other there's not much other genres, if any other genre, that can really portray a story like hip-hop can. Because the uh, the average demographic for hip-hop, especially for that style of hip-hop, conscious or boom-bap or whatever, is generally someone who really likes to break down lyrics and they really think about it and they're really listening, as opposed to someone that just listens to it to dance to or just play in the club. And any uh, any other form of music uh, nowadays that has some sort of storytelling really is is under the um, the blanket of hip hop. I mean, obviously you have you still have your rock and your country, which you have a lot of stories. Yeah. Being, but generally, in in modern music, it it all f- like the yeah the main storytelling would be under the hip hop blanket. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's I think it's really important to tell stories within hip-hop because like i said the people that would want to hear it the most are are that type of demographic people that listen to that type of music and yeah i love telling stories i mean to to really get in that space and how i write them it's usually the hardest type of song to write because you've got a lot to think about and especially the stories that I've written like the first story track that I wrote was called Honey Trap on my first album and that was it was a really deep one that was about a group of kids that I went to school with that ended up killing another kid like a local a local boy just around the corner from our school so it affected everyone that that grew up with me and it was very difficult to portray that and write about it and study about it and everything. So that took me a long time to write that song. And then again, recently, more recent, I wrote another story track on my album with the Argonauts. It's called Death by Association. And that one's about like a battle between a person and their mental health. It's it, it, For most of the track, it seems like they're arguing with someone and they realise towards the end they're talking to their own demons. And that was another really hard track because it's, it's about it's about suicide and it's about serious topics that I felt that I needed to put the time in to write. Yeah. So yeah, anytime I've written a, a story track or anything that's been storytelling, it's it's the process been has been a lot longer and quite harder to write. I find it if I'm making music for the club, I'm making music for people to dance to. I find it very easy. Sometimes I freestyle it. 
because it's just it's more about the vibe you're just catching the pockets and you just there's buzzwords and yeah. you just kind of know what make people excited and move to when you're storytelling there's a lot more to think about so yeah would you say it comes from like a different place within your in your writing aspect yeah you're not just talking about the vibes you're kind of trying to articulate something which is a lot more meaningful to you on like a personal level i guess yeah um when i'm when i'm doing stuff for the club or that type of style um i'm living in the moment yeah it's very in the moment right and it's just, just that's that's why i can freestyle sometimes it's just just come off the head it's all about the vibe when you're storytelling you've really got to think about the past and, yeah. and about just just really think about everything it's a lot more in depth yeah there's more emotions there as well yeah and the way i write it as well i try and i try and write from different angles as well so different emotions and conflicting emotions within the story so yeah it, it usually does take a bit of time no yeah and i think that from what you said from listening to hip-hop that there was obviously a a reason why any music's made it comes from a place within the creators or creator or plural whatever individual but you have like the reason why people who appreciate that music is because they can resonate and and feel or agree with or in some way have an attachment to the message in which you're either saying or the vibrate the actual sound of the music the way it's made the actual as the sonic aesthetic of it the overall sound mm. is all made by the artist with that in mind with that mood with mm. that attitude or with that deeper message whether it be like a strong single emotion or a complex emotion is mm. but the, when you create the beat or create the song it's often created with the feeling of the lyrics as well in mind yeah and so when people listen to that like you you were highlighting earlier about how people f from from those backgrounds and appreciated that music it's because hip-hop historically has obviously obviously come from the streets mm. it's come from people from with disadvantaged backgrounds the working mm. class mm. predominantly historically yeah and with that those people often come with a lot to say a lot of stories because they've been mm -hmm. through a lot yeah quite often and i think yeah. that need hip-hop was born correct me if i'm wrong it was born in an era where there was a massive need for people to express themselves yeah and, and frustrations and talking passionate out, things talking out against oppression things exactly like things that sure. they're frustrated about and yeah most often some of the best in my opinion some of the best music in the world is comes from a place of suffering and separation yeah. Yeah. and struggle yeah. a lot of creativity as a whole in all formats comes from that place I've, we've talked about that every time on the podcast but yeah yeah but like we have the two cornerstones blues and reggae yeah the two cornerstones of of music that we know right now that, that we listen to it all stems from them and both of them is exactly what you said yeah. they that like, both that both of those movements was based on people who have been oppressed people who are struggling it's the blues you're, talk, you're talking about the troubles that you're going through and the same with reggae that it was it's liberation music it's, yeah. it's talking about what you've been through and hip-hop is just a just a stem it's just it's yeah. just, just coming off a branch it's just a root yeah that's it it's the yeah. branch off 
yeah it's known as it's been such a good tool for that though hip-hop has been such a really good tool for cultural expression like vastly across and now obviously been adopted across almost globally every country has their own style of lyrics and they've started rhyming and mm. things like that and it's because of its reason too i think partly due to its power as such a strong format of music to express emotions like you said through the storytelling aspect and through the way it's produced and the the unification of those two aspects as it were mm. to create a song yeah. is such a powerful method and to, to really get a, a message across well mm. and it, in a way that listening to music as a whole puts you into a certain mind space but if you can include information and education and like verbally through that as well then mm. you're like kind of like confounding powers you're not only combining the power of the word mm. you're combining it with music and sound and like um oral excitement like you're activating your ears but you're also activating like your thinking side of your brain and, it's, and i think that's a big reason why like all countries have kind of started to pick up their own like means of it because all yeah. these all these youths and all these people have got everyone's got their own relevant struggles to go through and, yeah and and it's and they're like okay well what music can i use to express that the best way For oh sure. hip-hop's one of them that that medium that combination of lyrics and yeah and in a, in a, in a rhyming way in poetry yeah, that's what for I should sure. have said. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I have, as I've got a few different entities, a few different characters with music. Some, some of my main stuff has been under J-Man, and then I have various other things with the J-Man sound. But then I have Babylon Dead, which is a complete different entity, and I have a complete different fan base. So, so, uh, just to touch on what you mentioned there, I do have people that I've noticed that come from a lot harder backgrounds, a lot more dangerous areas or things like that that have messaged me and said oh we, we really love this music i get a lot of people from greece who were struggling with their government terribly right. uh, um, and at the time when there was loads of riots i was getting loads of messages saying that this is our music we really love the your the, your messages um and, right. it's, and, and, and it's the same with the other, other rough places I've, I've, I've just noticed that there's been a bit of a correlation between the areas and the fan base of the uh, of, of our music and what we're speaking about so it's yeah when you start to talk about like appreciation of music globally i think that really sh highlights the power that music has as a whole not just your music which is beautiful and amazing and great and that's an ode to your, your ability but just music as a whole and when any artist talks about it, it the fact that it resonates with people in from other backgrounds other cultures yeah other ethnicities whatever you want to whatever the differences are people feel your message and feel your vibration yeah and and it and it, it gives them solidarity strength yeah. and the idea that someone else somewhere else is going through the same thing as you are yeah is a very comforting one and can yeah, be very sure. comforting especially in times of, of like struggle and and, and yeah, lost hope because we're all in it together yeah and sometimes you be on the other side of the world or not like human beings we've all got a similar experience and people a lot of humans find a lot yeah a lot of comfort there you're right well i know a lot of these people don't even understand the lyrics half the time and yeah. so they're really connecting and understanding the message right. i've seen people french people i've had an, a, an iranian guy ask me to send the lyrics to him before i've had like russian people comment people from south america lots of different places who have struggled with the lyrics where they've said can you put the lyrics up or stuff like that 
but they clearly still uh, they understand what I'm talking about and they're behind the message which in some ways is even more beautiful because like they don't know what I'm talking about yet they f- are fully backing it right. just because they understand the message and they're feeling your energy through that that's it sometimes yeah. it's a visual thing like you said if we've got riot footage or we've got people who are marching and, and talking about the problems and you can just see it visually then they're backing it just for that alone combined um, with the energy of combined the deli- with the energy. the energy that you deliver it and that as well yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. not just the words but just everything other the thi- sound. all the other things about it yeah, yeah the aesthetic the sound the voice yeah, yeah for sure that's important yeah I think that, how do you think that so you said you were talking just now about all these different projects you, mm. we can get into you know into detail about the, the different things in a minute but is I'm more right this second is more what we're talking about it, how it influences people but I'm interested in how it's influenced you do you think that the reason you do or have been able to engage in so many varied projects musically a lot of people would agree with me or a very diverse talented MC lyricist versatile sorry that's the word I was looking Mm. for you're a very versatile lyricist Mm. vocalist Mm. I've worked with a few in my time and you know you definitely have like the ability to not only sing on different styles of music but also adjust your voice in its actual tones and tonalities mm. to the point where sometimes it's unrecognisable without even effects whether or not it's you mm. or not and mm. do you what I'm trying to get is do you think that like that that aspect of you as an artist has come from a, a, a want to express different parts of yourself yeah through music for sure yeah without meaning to yeah over the years I've started to realise that I am doing that for a purpose and I have got a, a, a different character for a different voice but at the time of making them they've all just happened naturally I haven't meant to do this uh, I haven't meant to say I'm going to do this and just set up to do it right. it's kind of just happened naturally but for sure they all have a different avenue and now I'm very conscious of the music that I put out under different the different entities right. so for for Babylon Dead it's a very it's a very clear message it's just anti-establishment militant to the point and it's an amalgamation of Jamaican American and English and that was actually that was my dad that influenced me and said you should do that he gave me a tip he was just like he was like some of your favorite some of your my favorite music that you've made is what my dad was saying to me he was saying some of my favorite stuff is when you've incorporated your Jamaican heritage which which is his background but you've also used American beats and you've also got your English sound and your English voice but like blended together and he was like that's a beautiful combination because Jamaicans can't do American and English Americans can't do English and Jamaican but as British people we can take on all those styles and bring them together because we kind of control that sound we've we've we're we're very we're innovators with what we do so he was like you should marry those styles together and that's kind of what I did that was the whole idea behind it just kind of taking little bits of each of those uh, cultures and blending them together Um, so yeah I think I think for for my latest project for the Argonauts again that's just a complete different voice that's a that's a voice of reasoning and a voice of vulnerability 
which I uh, which you would never hear in Babylon Dead because it's a complete different movement. Like for them, the people that want to hear my music for Babylon Dead, they want to hear it when they're angry or when they're when they've got something to be upset about the system too. Like they want to listen to it and get in the get in the mood. They don't want to then hear me being emotional and talking about some deep stuff on the next album that's not for them they know what they're going to hear when they put on a Babylon Dead record right. and that's what they're looking for but as an artist and as a person I've gone through a lot of things over the years and I want to talk about a lot of different things so that's why I've created different voices for different different meanings and so this Argonauts album that is my place to be able to talk freely and just be me rather than putting on a character and that is where I've shown my most vulnerable side so yeah I, I think it's essential for an artist if they want to talk about a lot of different things I think it's good to find your lane and even if you have multiple lanes find that lane first and focus on it yeah. and if you've got a fan base build something hold that and then if you want to do something else just start again rather than mixing it because I don't want to do like I said I want to do a hip hop Babylon Dead album and then two minutes later do an Afrobeat Babylon Dead album I'll kill all the fans away they'll be like what's this, what's this? I didn't sign up for this yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah yeah so, they expect the same consistency yeah yeah that's it that's it and, and, and often I guess when you're in a scene when you're in a, in a scene when you're working or creating a music genre of such as hip hop with such a strong cultural identity to it it would be it would be like you say it would be quite it would be quite conf conflictory to go and look at creating something outside of that within the same moniker because yeah. it has holds the music itself holds a strong such a strong cultural identity to it yeah that you're trying to like send mixed messages through us yeah so yeah you're right like for you creating another another moniker another artist outlet for these different aspects of yourself was obviously works in your favor and enables you to kind of express the different aspects of yourself again and it's like then it doesn't limit you on a long-term basis you don't feel as pressured to like with a clean slate you can really truly just express yourself without mm. worrying about its impact that's it other than knowing it's pure impact what will happen there from then on will be appreciated for what it is you know yeah yeah for sure often you see artists that do that and they don't even announce that they've changed the monarchy they just let it evolve naturally to yeah kind of develop its own fan base and not have yeah that crossover so that they tr know it's truly appreciated by the people that are supposed to appreciate it yeah that's what I did with Babylon Dead yeah I didn't it was a mystery I didn't you say who it was mask and yeah yeah videos. that's it yeah I've never put my face in a, in a video um, yeah. I mean people know now because I had to do performances yeah and, and yeah and I wanted to everyone hide it always wants to know who's behind the mask well that's it yeah. but I'm very like, if anyone knows me personally they know I'm very short and it's very obvious <laughs> as soon <laughs> yeah. as I come on stage they'll be like oh, I know who that is straight <laughs> yeah. away because I in the comments on the videos there was a lot of speculation before right. and to be honest a lot of people were off massively off yeah <laughs> they didn't have a clue <laughs> only a couple of people realized it was me there was a lot of people that didn't you were guessing all sorts loads all, all sorts all <laughs> yeah. sorts interesting interesting ones Banksy. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> God, to be fair, it was a lot of... I, I took all of them as compliments. Do you know what I mean? Everyone that was mentioned, I was like, sick. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. If you think that's him, then that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, that's been interesting. Yeah, but then obviously... So so it was exactly that, what you said. I, I, I made it because I didn't want anyone... 
I did, we wanted to just see what it was an experiment a complete yeah. experiment and the first few tracks we put out it was, it was a complete freestyle as well it it informed as the other half of Babylon Dead and shout out yeah and every every time we would make music I would I would get annoyed because I'd be he'd just show me like 500 beats and I'd be like bro like how am I supposed to pick one I'm lost like I'm just lost every time I come over I'm struggling this process is long like you've got so many beats like you know what I mean it's just it's mental so one time when I was there it was like three four in the morning I just played a show in Glastonbury like the the, the area Glastonbury not the festival because that's where that's where he lives and we, we we got in the studio and I was just like I'm I'm not going through loads of beats it's, it's late do you know what I mean let's just get into this so I was like the first beat you play I'm just going to spit over and I'm not going to write a bar I'm not going to do I'm just going to freestyle over it so he played the beat and the first thing that came to mind I just spat it and that was our tune Rago we just be put out as one of our biggest tunes do you know what I mean it's, like, it's got millions of views already like like over the time that it's been out so yes people sometimes that's that's the best though the natural flow in it yeah yeah you first taken it feels right yeah i think you had you carried that energy in fresh and it was like less thinking boom that's it yeah i think people just kind of appreciated or felt the the natural side of it there was no i mean people wouldn't have known that it was a one-take thing and it was freestyling but i think people just felt it because I always question how did people like really warm to that and why did people love that when there's been times where I've wrote, written songs like the Honey Trap song a story track that's taken me like a month to write and no one's really spoken about it before I get a few people now and again but not compared to a track that's got millions of streams whatever do you know what I mean like tons of people constantly talking about it to me and it's like just the the process was completely different yeah i didn't put any effort into it but i guess the message feel, feel the yeah natural. i guess it's more of a universal mm. message not like for example when you said that honey trap was made about a friend a peer that mm. had passed away sadly mm. um not everyone's been through that as much yeah. maybe potentially in this like yeah. the idea of anti-establishment is one that especially in the worlds we live in today where the difference between the rich and the poor is extended more and more every day every year mm. more and more people getting frustrated by that structure especially and people who listen to music especially mm. i find that there's probably some data out there i don't actually know but the, the idea that the people that listen to music the most even the consumers often i mean all kinds of people listen to all kinds of music i mean but the people that consume the music of that uh, that message, anti-establishment message, and like talking about government issues and oppression, often come. They're big consumers of music because they need to, and it's like they become. It's almost their life listening mm. to music. Yeah, and that's not to say that people from all walks of life don't listen to music and, and, they, and they love it. I'm sure they do. But when they talk about that music specifically that message of that is going to resonate with more people across the world than maybe losing your friend to to, to gang related crime yeah. or knife crime yeah. could be a reason why it was more appreciated yeah and sometimes it's just the timing like if you're in tune I love it I always go back to Rick Rubin and his ideas of like this stream of creative consciousness that exists with all these ideas swimming around 
and there's certain times where they come down to people people tap in as a creative Mm. to this to this message or to these creative ideas and that can happen on a multiple locations around the country around the city or whatever it is around the world but at, the, at that time that message is very strong mm. and, and and i think at that time people really needed to hear that that message within your music of babylon dead and, mm. and kind of because people were feeling a lot of frustration or still are it's true and and that's why it's probably if you bring out when you bring out another album i'm sure it'll go really well as well yeah uh, on your last album with babylon dead you talk you did quite a few collaborations yeah didn't you i remember you did a lot of mm. collaborations and i think i'm always fascinated with the idea of collaboration and what it, it is that people see is the, the benefits of it mm. at the, the sort of the deeper idea of why you benefit from collaboration and yeah. what it kind of brings to the table for you as an artist so mm. i wonder if you could maybe like highlight for yourself why you choose to collaborate uh with artists not not them in particular i mean you can use examples but yeah yeah what is it about collaboration that you find is so rewarding and and like and beneficial Mm. well how do you choose artists to collaborate with actually as well yeah maybe yeah i'm very extreme i'm one or the other when it comes to collaborations especially with albums so for my first J-Man album, I went all out. I went all out and called in all the favours. And that was why I did it. Because I was calling in all the favours. I wanted I wanted to be involved within the hip-hop scene. And for years, for about two, three years, I was popping up in a lot of events. And I was jumping up at the end. And it was always like a one-foot, like a grime cypher or something. Or the last hectic bit at the end of a hip-hop show. And I kind of got a name for myself just by doing that, like going around doing different shows where people be like, who's that guy at the end? It went mental, do you know what I mean? I want to hear music from him. Do you know, like, And after I kind of built my built a name up, um, I went and did like... It's alright, take your time, it's fine. <laughs> it's I don't know, I was, I was, I was somewhere and I'd... We were talking about collaboration. Collaborations, that's it. And like who you collaborate with, you were saying there was one time you were back. Sometimes your brain goes too fast. Yeah, that's it. Words, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About so, fifty-seven, fifty-eight minutes in. All right, cool. Nice. We're good. Nice, nice. So yeah, collaboration. I can repeat the question for you if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collaborations can bring new dimensions to your work, or have brought new dimensions to your work. Are there particular collaborations that have like significantly influenced your music going forward? Mm. And how do you choose the artists that you collaborate with? And what, what's the why, why? Why do you see collaboration as beneficial? Yeah, I think they're they're really important. I've chosen different routes to use collaborations throughout my career. Um, so for my first album, which I was getting to, yeah. so for my first album, I I first made my name in the scene by doing loads of different events but not putting any music out and then by the time I'd made a name for myself I'd met a lot of the people within the scene and I'd had a lot of friends but I'd not had any music out and people kept saying you've got to put music you've got to put music out people like the four hours Dirty Dyke Eva Lazarus all these people who I then yeah. got on the album so I just called in all these favours and there's about 30 people that feature on that album every track's produced by a different producer 
which is what I was uh, one of my ideas behind it things like 15 16 tracks so 16 different producers complete different sounds and then uh, I think about six or seven of the tracks had features on them yeah. and some of them had multiple features one track like Jam Baxter and Lee Scott another one with the Owls one with Rag and Bowman Indra and Dabla lots of different different sounds different vibes and that kind of that was a reason to the, the reasoning behind that was one because I just was felt blessed to be able to make music with all those people but also to catapult my scene myself into those scenes which bro- broke me through within to the hip hop scene and into the various other places that I've taken my music but then afterwards I kind of wanted to do the complete opposite so with Babylon Dead the first album I had no features whatsoever and that was kind of a test to see if people may, if people listening to this music for me or they am I yeah. putting too much features into things and I'm just rolling it in glitter kind of thing <laughs> so I was like let me just take it back strip it all down just me and Bill and see what happens and it ended up being one of the most successful things I did so it really just depends on how you feel and collaborations can work one way or another um and for me for the first for the first Babylon Dead album without collaborations it managed to really reach out so I realised this is for us we don't need to do anything else but with the second album I did really want to pay homage to certain people which is why we got done a tune with Daddy Freddy and Jamalski because they were the first reggae hip hop artists to ever make music yeah. they both put out an album I can't remember things like 84 86 or something like that uh, they were both, that was the first year that any reggae hip hop albums had been made and it was both of them so to get both of them on a track together it's really special and and it kind of gives a salute to what we're doing because if those guys are getting on a track with us and they're backing it then yeah. that's, that's that's all we need to hear is for the, the guys do you yeah. know what I mean it's a, nice because it's like a homage musically and physically with them being there that's it yeah both ways yeah that's it and then and then other people that I've looked up to people like Killer P Warrior Queen Ira these are people that I've been listening to I mean Killer P and Warrior Queen specifically that I grew up listening to in school in the dubstep era I was talking about so it's a pleasure and an honour to work with those as well and then Ryder Shafiq he added a like a really beautiful poetic po- side to the album as well which kind of yeah. gives it a different dimension and kind of turns it into a bit more than music so everyone was really well thought through and everyone had a Jamaican heritage because that was that's part of the sound yeah, of the music British Jamaican yeah uh-huh. that's the beats it are, the beats are American vibes that's it British, British artists mixed with Jamaican yeah 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 and that's the whole kind of formula so nice. they had to kind of fit I th- that. you know for what you're saying I'm kind of gathering that it's offered you an opportunity as an artist to not only network with new audiences mm. so you because you're tapping into these other artists audience mm. and sort of introducing your sound to other people that might not have the chance to hear it mm. but also a chance for you to learn from them from yeah. like creating with them you wanted to all these people you've looked up to and admired as an art, a fellow artist or prior to you being an artist or as you were coming through even some of the older ones where but then you have this opportunity where you can work with them it's only going to help build your skill set along with giving you a sense of achievement as well mm. as you're now in a position where you can 
craft and create with some of the people you might have only dreamed or imagined to be working with at yeah, times for sure yeah 100% yeah and that's only in turn going to help with your, your love, inspiration yeah and growth as an artist so yeah I think collaboration is is a massive to- good I wouldn't use the word tool but it's a good weapon in your arsenal yeah. as an artist in terms of like like you say help boosting your awareness but also helping helping you to learn and well yeah for sure I mean there's loads of different reasons first and foremost every single person I've ever worked with I've been a fan of so that's one of the main reasons why I've ever worked yeah. with someone because I just love what they do you know so that in itself is is a blessing and that's that's the main reason for why I've wanted to collaborate but then also there you, there's also the the side of things that help you catapult yourself into other scenes and stuff which is also very beneficial but yeah I've done the same thing with I've, I've followed the same formula for my latest project with the Argonauts because I saw what it did with Babylon Dead so with the Argonauts album the first album we did I've not had any collaborations on there it's, again it's just solo but then for our second album that we're making at the moment again I've, I've, I'm taking it the complete opposite like I said it's, it's, it's one extreme or the other I'll, have, I'll, I'll either have no one or I'll have, or I'll have a whole array of, of yeah. talent so for this next album we're we're really going big with it really going big with this I'm excited I'm excited to, to see what you do with that that's, that's excellent yeah so talking even more like about we've kind of touched on the social and political aspect of the sort of music that you've made mm. how important do you think it is that you've used that music to address social issues how, how important do you think that hip hop is a or the lyricism is is a really powerful tool at helping others understand societal issues and shining a light on those things I do I think it is and obviously I think you probably would agree if you're creating that music hmm. what was it within you that had a, this over this desire to want to shine a light on those such quite like controversial in some ways like I remember hmm. you telling me prior that you couldn't there were some places you couldn't even perform yeah that 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 album initially yeah. is that still the case yeah I'm not sure I'm not <laughs> tried yeah it's actually Wales yeah. oh, it was, it it was Wales. the Headloo that makes sense the Headloo yeah <laughs> we got we got banned from playing a show in Cardiff and then because it was part of the Welsh police force they then cottoned on to the shows we had in Swansea and uh, somewhere else and that, they got cancelled as well so so yeah I mean it's just one of those things it's, it's hard to I mean I'm always going to talk about these topics because I've come from I mean my heritage is, is mainly Jamaican English yeah. but I've I've had people in my family that have struggled with these things. I've, I've had people that I've seen these things happen in front of me. I've seen the struggle, even at a small level in London, but the things that I'm speaking about, like the police brutality and stuff like that, and these are things that I feel like, why aren't other people talking about it? 
I feel like there's nowhere near enough people talking about these things. So me talking about it is just for me. It's just like a a given. It's like it's like of course I am. I mean, like I'm talking about like especially with Babylon Dead, the angry stuff. We're talking about really hate hatred towards like people causing injustices in this world, corrupt police, paedophiles, things like this. Like course i want to go in on those people they're evil it's like i don't i'm not i I don't really like the whole glamorization in music especially in hip-hop that's not my type of hip-hop i don't listen to that and there's a lot of people out there that want to hear what we're talking about and they haven't got it i get met that the only reason why i know is because i get messages all the time of people saying thank you for what you do what you speak about i want to hear more of it we need more um and i can't i can't agree enough you, you hear it I mean I, we've been booked for punk festivals punk events as Babylon Dead because that's that's how much they understand the message even though the hip hop music's completely different to what they listen to they they get it so that's why we talk about these controversial things because it's it just yeah more people need to talk about these things there's, yeah. there's a lot of things to be speaking I, I, have, a, I have a very it's, it's very close to my heart these topics and I feel very, very strongly about it. So it has to come out in my music. I think you know? more more props to you having the the courage to do that because I think often the reason why people don't do that is they're afraid of... People often like to s- publicly sit on the fence mm. because if you don't sit on the fence, you open yourself up to criticism. Yeah, as they don't want to offend you know, people. Yeah, people don't want to offend mm. whether it's one side of the coin or the other. You know? mm. And they it works in sometimes often can work in your favour to not go around pissing one side of the the team off yeah on whatever topic yeah but but like as you've proven having courage and the desire and the the, the ability to communicate these things on a on a powerful level has has worked in your favour as an artist Mm but ultimately helped spread that message which is why you created the music and yeah and obviously you created it for an artist reasons too but in terms of its its message you wanted you felt like people needed to hear that and they clearly did and, and mm. you were showing that and mm. sometimes the courageous route does pay off and i think within i think within hip-hop like we were saying earlier because of the nature of the audience and the nature of the the music itself and the way it's always been used as a term of expression against the establishment mm. you're you're going to be able to get away with saying those things and mm. not just piss everyone off because they're already coming from that standpoint yeah. people have already got that in their mind and in their spirit that kind mm. of that fight and that yeah. kind of fingers up to the to the to the government kind of attitude and so i think you know if you try to do that message as a pop artist it wouldn't it just wouldn't work they didn't, yeah. the labels wouldn't release it but yeah that's it that's not that's all right because that's not your audience you that's know? it so you have that so not only hip-hop gave you that ability mm. combined with you having that courage i don't think it wouldn't might not have landed the same way if, had, had you been trying to express that in a different yeah through a different style of music is what i meant yeah well i mean a lot of people are afraid of cancel culture as well yeah a lot of people are afraid of that and it's uh rife at the moment. yeah yeah and with with our music, we've never expected to be playing it on radio or playing it. We've, it's never been made to be played to the masses. So it's for, it's for its purpose. It's got yeah. its purpose, and yeah. 
that's it that's nice and so as you were saying earlier with with the digital age what's that what's that what that's brought with it in terms of opening up music to (coughs) all these countries people listeners and the fact that they will appreciate that it's help artists and and listeners connect on on a, on a global scale uh, how have you kind of experienced that sense of community within the global hip hop scene and do you see that cultural exchange playing a role in your work so like have how do you feel like it's influenced your growth as an artist and the way you've gone about things going forward having known that it's now been appreciated or can be appreciated globally yeah definitely I mean the more that I realised it was being appreciated in other places other than the UK the more that my content became universal yeah. because as like when I first started making music it was just for the local area to the point we're talking about roads road names down the road it's very you know, I, I came from a time when we were making songs and sending them just through infrared it's the only people that were listening to our music was in our area it's yeah. very local very yeah. local and that got and that spreads out as you grow older and get spread out to the point where when i did know that there's people in america and things like that australia listening to my music yeah i definitely made a conscious decision to make my music a lot less local make it so that everyone can understand what i'm talking about and that's kind of like why i've kind of like molded my voice to certain things as well like with the babylon dead stuff i always wanted to do a jamaican sound but i never wanted to go full jamaican patois because i know half these people won't understand it right do you know what i mean so it's like a case of like creating a voice and blending american and british and stuff um that's interesting yeah and i only did that because i knew that lots of different people listening to me um from different backgrounds and different cultures so you've kind of got to make things a little bit palatable for these people and just try and make it as universal as possible because that's my main aim I, I, like now I do make music for the masses and I do think about what someone in France is going to think about it yeah. what someone in Guatemala is going to I mean like, yeah. it's going to take it into consideration yeah so it has changed your changed your approach yeah, that's interesting sure. I mean that's good to, Definitely. empathy is a, a big factor in creating music for an audience especially because yeah. that's what you're doing it for yeah. at, at that point at that stage yeah it's about making music that you enjoy but also taking into consideration if you want to be a successful artist on a broad scale then you've got to take into consideration the audience and the listeners yeah I consider myself an empath as well so I think that comes out within most things I do 100% that that actually touches on what I was going to get into next was about your stage presence and how that empathy is a really important factor in that like as not only as a MC but as a DJ any kind of performer I think you can go out there and just deliver your thing mm. and know it's going to land yeah but if it, if your audience can feel a level of empathy from you and they know that you're not just doing that you're taking into consideration the vibe of the room and where mm. they're at or where you're, where you're at even physically so yeah it can be as simple as that sometimes yeah but people really appreciate that as an audience you find you see that don't you feel practice and oh definitely yeah like in the last 
say 10 years or say last seven years i've been doing shows where people know who i am they know my music they're coming to see me and it's comfortable i haven't got any issues in the crowd but coming up as i as i was talking about before when i used to do raves like drum and bass and dubstep and things like that there'll be times where i'll be performing but um people haven't come to see me they've come to see the dj I'm just a company in the DJ. And there's a lot of people known to not like MCs, especially in the drum and bass world. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of purists and dubstep, but the rave scene in general, yeah. a lot of people that hate MCs. So there's a lot of times growing up in my dojo, like I said before, of like trying to learn my craft, where I'll be on stage and like half the people, or most of the people are vibing, but there is some people clearly not happy. Yeah. And, and being an empath, I am a lot of the times I would focus on those people and try and win them over somehow or even talk to them halfway through it just be like guy in a red hat what's going on with you do you know what I mean you good yeah, yeah. <laughs> make a joke or something vibe with them you, you want a drink you can call like, do you know what I mean and they'll start smiling and vibe do you know what I mean but like half the time it will be especially in those moments because it wasn't about me I was always learning how to just read the room and really pay attention to everyone yeah really like and that's you can only really do that with humble beginnings in smaller clubs and stuff when you get to the big stage you can't see anyone's face so it doesn't really matter you're just like but then when you get to the big stages it becomes a hive mentality everyone just you say put your hands in the air everyone's got their hands in the air when you're playing a small club it's a lot harder to deal with you're looking into people's souls i mean and, yeah. and the smaller crowds can be a lot harder to work and they can be a lot harder to win over. So, so yeah, um, it, it was always a thing of mine to to really focus on the people that don't look like they're enjoying themselves and win them over. And I've always done, been able to do it, do you know what I mean? Because they don't want to be that guy at the end of the day. Yeah, they I don't want to be the one person just screwing. If you could the be club. the hardest person in the room, you've won everyone over. Yeah, yeah, point, that's you know, it. You and you've been pointed out for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll point, and I'll point it out to you in a nice way do you know what I mean? I've never been horrible about it like, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean but yeah. and yeah so so I think being an empath definitely as a performer is an important and a, a good tool to have because you're you're working with your crowd whereas when if you if you there's some people that shoot to fame straight away and they miss all of that and they go straight to the big stages and they never get to have to deal with any of that stuff which I don't know I think it's, it's cool that they don't in a sense because they've never had to deal with any like an anxiety on stage and yeah, stuff like that it's yeah. just, just easy for them but I like the natural working and winning people over and I think it's it's a cool thing to have to do as an artist yeah the lessons in the loss sometimes yeah. rather than winning you know, that's it that. you learn more from a loss than you do from a win for sure often and, uh, you talk about crowd sizes that's an interesting thing performing to crowd sizes I know like a Boomtown this year you performed on Origin stage at one mm. point mm. that's right with Born on Road mm. is that correct and, you sh and that was like a lot of people there right yeah like can you still feel like empathy from the crowd there and when you're on such a, like a or would you say it was not more really. of just a, like a delivery of your talent not really it's yeah. like i said before it's like hive mind yeah like yeah like, and that was my point when you get when you shoot to fame you, you are just catapulted into that hive mind 
it's just put your hands in the air everyone's got to answer because there's so many yeah. people and you can't see their faces yeah. the crowd's too big you know yeah. what i mean it's just a sea it's just it's yeah. like ants yeah. and usually those stages like really far away you've got like big gap separation yeah yeah whereas when you're in a club people can touch you like, yeah, you know what I mean? people are like right there and you can feel the energy almost. yeah like they're, what they're putting off like not even verbally just like that that empathy yeah. skill like you said comes in way more attuned yeah. in it and that's yeah. why i try to create like 360 stages and a lot of people are coming to yeah. around to that these days a bit more yeah. because they're coming like personal it's way more personal you want to be personal you and not only that i'm also passionate like about having seen it firsthand and created that at boomtown ourselves in our venue which is sick yeah Sub lab yeah you guys smash that. everyone helps us do that it's great great but the vibes in there like that's a proof that's proof in the pudding for that 100%. kind of thing you know, that ability to empathize and, and i always thought about this like talk to people about this about why why do you you spend so much time right as an artist creating this vibe through your music that you want to portray mm. right so you're so you're diluting these ideas of your, your creativity into a computer right and then and then coding them in as it were mm. into this idea so you're already reducing your idea into something and then you're it's the same as language when you say something you're reducing your thoughts into verbal and then you're decoding them on the other side and then mm. you're interpreting them so there's already mm. two stages in which like a lot of information can get lost sure. although i might be good at someone might be good at articulating themselves or making music yeah it doesn't mean that they you, you can guarantee that the other person's going to feel exactly what what it is that you intended that music to make them feel but you're much more likely to in an environment like sub level or 360 venue in my stage because the mm. artist is in they're in it yeah. as well as the crowd so you're 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 creating a feeling mm. within the crowd yeah and then you're but you're getting that feedback loop instantly from their energy yeah rather than this disconnect when you're when you're asked sometimes you have no idea if your music's landing yeah everyone sure. in the crowd could be having the time of their life yeah like that genuinely could be one of the best sets they've ever heard but you have no idea yeah and, that's and, and as a, sometimes that's difficult because you're like you don't even know if it landed yeah you know? that's it i think as an artist i think it's essential to have both have both and that's the beauty of being an underground artist yeah you, you you have the space and you have the integrity as an underground artist to do small events no one think anything of it and yeah. then still be on a big stage and enjoy the the fruits of that as well 100%. whereas like when you're a major artist and you're huge your central c or something you can't play a small club you physically can't play one i mean just because of the problems it will get blah 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 but just also for their image they don't want to be that guy that sold out a, a stadium and then like a couple of years down the line played a 400 capacity club that seemed washed out to them i mean it seems like they failed because they were so high they can't fall yeah. and that's the problem of being at the top spot you only have space to fall i mean there's nowhere else to go when you're in an underground position you've got all these places to I mean you can do anything you want essentially yeah. and you've got nothing to hold you down and no one not your demographic your fan base aren't looking at you as that guy at the top the, the, the guy that controls everything or whatever is is humble fan bases that are happy to see you play the underground clubs that they can go to for an affordable or affordable price and yeah. for these things and that's what keeps the culture going yeah. because if everyone was at the top spot then you wouldn't have an underground i mean you need that you need the balance so i think for artists it's nice to have both if you can play the big stages it's great but the small crowds are what really matters personally yeah you made me think of a flow down there he's from gone from being an underground a yeah. king, a king of the underground yeah to 
almost right now probably one of it I'd say is peak in terms of fame and notoriety globally yeah, right sure. now is popping off and for sure all props to him he's getting mm. his bag and he deserves to because he's been grafting for a long time but my point is if he ever that time ever came where he I doubt he would need to but if he ever did need to mm. he he's still got that to go back to the yeah, yeah. still there for oh, him 100% you know? always uh, and, because he'll always be there that's a nail so, on the head yeah 100% he's he's been he's on the stage in Riyadh yeah opening for Tyson, Tyson Fury, Fury yeah. yeah like not many people can do that but he can still I've seen him on lineups recently small grime events yeah I mean rate that he can do rate, what he wants do you know what I mean it. and no one's gonna look in that and be like oh you flopped it like yeah like oh you're playing a small dingy club like no, no everyone's gassed They're like what he's doing that as That's well true. sick right yeah. do you know what I mean so it, yeah I think I think humble beginnings is very important and longevity as well he's shown he's shown a perfect growth within an artist of someone who can nail their craft go to jump to different genres smash all those genres he's on whether it's 130 40 60 175 all these yeah. BPMs he can do yeah and, and play all these different events and then smash it it's like he's going towards the end of his career not well who knows but i mean like in terms of you Jumping know put around on the stage for yeah he's, he's been he's done it for a long time he's yeah. been doing it for a good 15 20 years or whatever so then to do to be at the stage he's at now i think is like the best time to be doing that, that kind of thing that was yeah best time to be doing it because yeah. he's smashed it he's done before. everything yeah you've yeah. built up all those foundations and you've got respect from everyone so now no one's bothered of what you do make get that bag everyone's gassed for you to get the bag but it doesn't taint doesn't taint you if you do smaller things after that like you said you you can be on stage of skrillex and do a million yeah. a million people in the crowd or whatever yeah. i mean obviously it's a joke but you're saying and yeah. then you can still do a small yeah, dingy it. club in east london for 400 cap right? yeah and i rate artists that do that as well like you said we were talking earlier about making sure you, you stay in tune with your source the source of your inspiration mm. and the origins of why you make music yeah and so you've kind of talked about a lot about like, these different uh projects and the, and the, and the variety that at the moment you're still making hip hop, mm. but you're doing right now. You're focusing more on the live stuff. Is that correct with Argonauts and J Man, or are you making? No, no. So you're doing still doing Babylon Dead. Still doing Babylon Dead as yeah, well. Yeah, the third album's my yeah. next album coming out. So okay, that's well, my next project. Yeah, okay. it does get confusing even for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it is is, uh, I I made loads of music during lockdown. I made so much music i made like three four albums worth and i just started loads of different things so now i'm at a place now where things have all been coming out at different times but very close to each other so what is your what's the key then to juggling because that's a bit of a juggling act not yeah. only in ideas wise but like putting your head into those spaces to be yeah. able to make what is your key for you to, to juggle it being able to step from one one day for example making yeah. Babylon Dead stuff to the next minute you're in the studio with Ice Cream Sound mm. brothers from, from Plymouth mm. and you're making something completely different what for yeah. you how do you how do you like maintain that like the difference or the, mm. able to like in, entertain so many different things at once yeah I'm trying to balance them for different places for different things so I, I I see them as they they all kind of have a different purpose. They all serve a different purpose. For Babylon Dead, without meaning to, it's kind of created a bit of a movement, a bit of its own like culture yeah. in terms. Of it's its own thing. Right. It's its own thing. So I cannot. I can put out. We've only put out two albums ever, yeah. but 
they can sit for like years and I can come back and just put another album and, and it, that will still be fulfilling what I need to do as a Babylon as Babylon Dead whereas if I'm doing any reggae stuff say with No Ice Cream Sound or my drum and bass stuff with Three Kings my new thing that's that stuff that I'm hoping to be getting to do shows live shows so I'll be focusing a lot more on the live content with that whereas for Babylon Dead and for the Argonaut stuff that's more that's more album stuff yeah. so that's like I make the albums and just let them sit there so they've got different purposes some of them are for the rave I want to make music for the rave that's constantly being played out and then I want to also make stuff like hip hop music that can just be played at home that people were just playing on their vinyls and collectibles and stuff like that so I, I'm not doing everything all at once and it's not all like right. like I'm not making the Babylon Dead stuff and blah 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 and all this stuff so I can tour it all at the same time it's right. just the logistics are too much yeah. so yeah they've got different purposes some are just for people to listen to at home some are, some are for the live situation and for yeah. the dance I think like this it, yeah and obviously that keeps you going like for you like, like you said you've got that need to express yourself and yeah. do those things and it probably keeps you inspired and keeps you going mm. so what so just to, to for anyone listening that doesn't know what you're up to you've got Babylon Dead you've mm. got J-Man and the Argonauts yeah like now you, yeah yeah so Babylon Dead is me and ill-informed yeah like I said it's like a mixture of Jamaican American English sound boom bap hip hop first and foremost but with the Jamaican and English twang to the voice and the whole everything's just militant anti-establishment so that's very specific with what that is and that's signed to RLD Real Life Drama Records um, and then J-Man and the Argonauts is a full band um, my band's based in Barnstable I go there every week and we just make the music together and that one is signed to High Focus Records. It's a complete different, complete different sound and entity. It's very deep jazz, jazz boom bap hip hop, quite soulful. And then we've got No Ice Cream Sound, which is my own label, me and my friend's own label, which we set set up last year. We've been a sound system for the last ten, fifteen years, doing events mainly in Plymouth and the Southwest and last year we just thought we we made loads of music during lockdown so yeah we started started that so that's again that's something that was always going on anyway because it was events but we thought we put out music alongside that and that's just reggae dub and dub reggae music and then I have another project that I've just started called Three Kings which is drum and bass purely drum and bass and uh, that's just because I've never really had an outlet for drum and bass and I've always wanted to make it I've always done it that was one of the first things I did but I've kind of gone full circle because I always wanted to make albums and now that I've done it now I want to make some hits for the club yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so I've been making loads of drum and bass is there any other genres of music that you want to make music for <laughs> that's, it, no. that's it that's it that. yeah you're happy with hip hop reggae yeah. and drum and bass which I see yeah. it as they're all related yeah I'm not doing rock yeah, you know I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not all of a sudden doing Gabba House. Like, yeah. I'm not doing anything that doesn't make sense. Right. You can never see me doing a folk song. Yeah. Now that's no offense. No, no, no. It just means to say that, like, when it comes to drum and bass, hip. I said the other day, when it comes to drum and bass, hip hop, and reggae, I see them all as an un- umbrella 
under sound sound system music and it all relates yeah. it all comes from a jamaican heritage it all comes from cool Huck taking the sound system from jamaica to america and using the sound system scene to turn it into hip-hop the first block party it's all the same thing i mean and then the same thing when they first started putting on jungle and drum and bass events in london it all it all ties up it's all part of the sound system origins, yeah yeah so so that's where that's where i'll stay i can't see myself straying who, who knows yeah. I might do a funk. Never folk. say never. Yeah, 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 yeah. never yeah. say never. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think I'm doing enough. 2028. Yeah, yeah. Around folk album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <heard it> first. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, overall, looking forward, what would you say are your like aspirations within the music? Do you have any like grand aspirations outside of what you're already doing? Just continued to create music or is there if you got some sort of bigger sort of plan with it yeah um yeah for sure i love i love my fan base with babylon dead like because that's like the biggest one we've created i've created so far so i just want to continue to what we're doing keep on putting albums out and keep pleasing our demographic basically keep yeah. pleasing our fan base with what they want but with other stuff like with no ice cream sound that's our own label so i really want to grow that so i have i have my aspirations for that is that that grows into a a really good dub reggae label within the uk and and, and beyond nice and the same with my drum and bass trio the the the, the three kings i really hope to put some, a lot of music out this year and just hear it everywhere I want to hear it in all the raves like, like I said I made, I've made music for the last few well for a long time now <clears throat> CDs vinyls that kind of thing people are listening to it at home it's deeper stuff that they can walk to it, it, we see it on Spotify we see the, the numbers people are clearly listening to it at home Yeah. Um, this isn't the stuff you play in the rave whereas now my aspirations for this rave stuff is that it's all all getting out there now I want to see people dancing to my music not just screw face and getting angry you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's that there's that side of stuff but then also during the week I mentor yeah nice. and I do I mean I studied music production and sound engineering so I can show them that but I also can show them it'll be we do artist management so we show them how to what to do with their music after they've made it how to publish it how to submit it to certain labels how to make music videos how to whatnot and i do that a couple of times a week and i really hope to push forward with that and hopefully help some people into stars because i can already see it so that's one of my main goals to really influence and push that side of my work at the moment because i've got a child now so i can't i don't want to constantly be touring i don't want to constantly be going around i've got her to focus on so i want to be able to be at home a lot more and to do that while still being able to do what i want to do musically yeah. is to be able to do my job that i've that i've now landed which is helping people which i love but also teaching them how to make music and i've got a lot to learn i've got a lot to teach from what i've learned over the years and i'm already seeing some great results so that's that's a big dream of mine that's really nice i think it's like we said earlier how important it is you got had a 
opportunities given to you by elders and now you're doing the same one that's it I think the music industry for me anyway although you get out what you put in in life in anything mm. and you work hard and you get results but I find the music industry can be quite takey mm. in terms of it's like I sometimes feel guilty for the amount I receive like the the things that I receive I'm not saying that I haven't worked for it I'm not trying to take away from people that haven't worked hard in their in their craft but it's very like the energy transfer can often sometimes be one way mm. in terms of like you're an artist they're the audience mm. everyone's looking at you everyone's screaming at you mm. everyone's you're getting paid you're like to live your dream essentially often and we've already discussed the amount of hard work that goes into that too but mm. I don't know there's some part of me that's always felt like giving back is, a, is an important aspect of being an artist yeah for sure. giving back in or helping pass on the torch mm-hmm. as it were is a massive for me it's always felt really important ever since I started engaging with music I think mm. it's always been an important thing and I see a lot more of it nowadays as well people are really recognising yeah. more and more and trying there's a big push yeah. towards enabling opportunities for people who wouldn't have usually had them yeah. and trying to eliminate the kind of privilege aspect that comes with making yeah, music exactly. that's it because that's a big thing that's like it people have maybe a lot of people have access so often the ability to create isn't determined by their skill it's, it's, it's the links the they've access, got the money in the links for sure 100% I've seen that loads where yeah. some of the most successful people I know is because they've got a rich parent yeah it's just hooked them up so, so uh, trying to remove that is a good thing I think and definitely it essentially create more equality yeah for, within it with, from from the root cause though not from like not let's not let's not just like let's book artists of mixed ethnic backgrounds or let's book more women mm-hmm. it's it's about how do we give the opportunities to these people at a young age yeah so that they can then grow into a good artist it's so that we don't even have to book them as a, a female artist you just book them because they're a it. really good artist artists, yeah it's a systemic thing yeah, need, yeah that's where it needs to be addressed really, yeah. in my opinion for sure oh, that's great you're doing that man so yeah. thank you that's amazing yeah, yeah. More, more power to you and more people like that we need yeah, yeah. definitely I kind of think that's a nice little nice ending man and yeah it's been really definitely. nice to chat to you and, and have a little insight into your perspective on hip hop and music and how you've made it or how you mm. how you do make it always some of the approaches yeah so yeah, thank definitely. you so much oh it's my pleasure and I hope anyone who is listening can benefit from anything that we've spoken about yeah um yeah more shared understanding yeah. more understanding a lot of people don't have the insight that we have I think often we take it for granted the opportunities that we are given and the life that we live because it's so normal to you once you're in it yeah. it's hard to step outside of it and see th- how l- fortunate we are to have the perspective on an industry where a lot of people don't have a look in yeah, like we it. were just saying about opportunities but this is given I'd like to think that this podcast and other people who talk about music and their perspective is, is enabling people to have a an insight into a world which they wouldn't usually get a window into. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's why I think these discussions are important. For sure. Um, I actually forgot to ask you what I usually ask everyone is if I was to ask you what your rarest tune is. Rarest tune? When I say rare, you know, it could be any kind of rare. What would you say it would be or what comes to mind? What rarest tune in terms of like a tune that one of my favourites that not a lot of people know? That's fine, yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, 
I've got to remember the name of it now. That's all right. Junior Spesh. Junior Spesh! <laughs> 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 yeah, about Junior yeah, Spesh? Yeah, of course right. they do. Spesh. I mean, I think it's more of an age thing now. Yeah. you got to be of a certain age. Yeah. But, um, which is why it's rare. But there's certain shit that I'm a grime kid. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I grew, I grew up with grime. Yeah. And there's been a few times where I've spoken about it recently. Randomly. I don't know why it's come to conversation. Yeah. But no one's known what I've spoken about. I'm like, what? You don't know Junior Spanish? <laughs> so it seems like it's a bit of a rarity now. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Love it. Love that shit. Go check out Junior Spanish. Go Bash. check out on <laughs> YouTube. Was it still? Yeah. <laughs> 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 what a great way to end it. Yeah. My okay. Thank you so much, Jamal. Yeah, man. J-Man. It's been a Discuss Podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.